that if we want to be the captain of change in our own life, the very core of what makes us capable of doing that is personal motivation. So there's two Welcome to another inspiring episode of Podcast with Sheila, the podcast that is spreading positivity around the world by sharing inspiring real life experiences. Today's guest, David Edwards, worked in healthcare for 35 years across three continents where he gained insight on how to become the captain of your life after serving low income and vulnerable people. Today, we are going to be discussing his life journey as a health worker and all the challenges and lessons he learned whilst on the job, as well as his research that led him to write the groundbreaking book, Knew You, Who Knew. Hello, David, and welcome to Podcast Yeshila. Before we kick the ball rolling, who is David? Where does he come from? Stuff like that, so that our audience will get to know exactly who we, our guest is for today. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up a pretty average life. Um, I have two brothers, an older brother and younger brother. Um, we moved around a lot as kids, you know, wherever the work was, you know, we went. And uh, But I enjoyed my childhood. Um, I, I'm the first in my family to go to college. Um, and I got a bachelor's degree in business. Um, and actually, it was while I was going to school, I started working first in healthcare. And I had the really a rare privilege of working for a small but growing community health center um, in the Seattle, Washington area. So in the United States, it's on the West Coast. Um, and um, I, I did that for six years and I grew with that organization. I think they tripled in size during that oh, six wow. years. And, um, you know, we kept adding new locations and finding more needs that were not met. And, um, and it was a wonderful period. But there was something that was a challenge for me in that I lived in the north end of this big city and my work was in the south end of the big city. So my drive every day was about an hour and a half each direction. Mm. Wow. So I spent three three hours commuting, yeah. and we liked living up north. My wife had family up there, and we didn't really want to move south. Um, and at some point, I realized as we had our first child on the way, was it our first or our second? I realized that I was working or away from home 10 or 12 hours a day, and then I was starting to go in on Saturdays more often because we were growing and there was just more stuff to do. And I was their finance director at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just realized this is not consistent with who I am. You know, there's things that we do, but then more fundamentally, there's who, who am I? Yeah. And fundamentally, I believe that I'm a child of God. Yeah. So I'm an eternal being who's on this mortal journey <laughs> that we call our, our life. Yeah. And, uh, and I knew, though, that my family was, next to my faith in God, was like the most important thing to me. And I wasn't even going to see my daughters grow up. And it's not like I was making a lot of money. Not that that would matter, but uh, um, I just I decided to leave that job. And... Um, 
they're good people, good purpose, good work, but it just wasn't consistent with my own closely held values. And so um, I left and I got a job closer to home, which was great, except I hated that job. No. <laughs> and, and, you know, that happens sometimes because, you know, sometimes we work just because you've got to work. You yeah. know, it's great if you love your work, yeah. right? If you love what you're doing and it's important and, you know, you get satisfaction from it. But sometimes you just got to work because you got to pay your bills and, yeah. you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... Those are both realities, and they're both okay. Um, so I'm going to skip, because I've been around for a few years now, and I'm going to skip about 30 years, but I worked in healthcare that rest of my career, um, and I've done some fun things. I worked with elderly mm. and people with dementia, which mm. was very rewarding, very mm -hmm. challenging, but very rewarding. Um, and always on the administrative side, I... I uh, I've never been like a direct caregiver except okay. for like, you know, family yeah. But, yeah. Uh, or friends or people, you know, that we might be serving. But uh, um, I've worked uh, in cardiology, so mm -hmm. cardiovascular care, um, research and education. Um, I've uh, worked in tribal health in Alaska with Native American groups, uh, Alaska Natives. I worked in Nigeria for a while. Oh. and commissioned a hospital in Ibadan, Nigeria. Anyways, I've been able to do some really fun and interesting things. And so like this mask, I, I was, know, this video yeah. audio? I was going to ask you, I see a, a few bits of African, you know, touch in your background. And I think the shirt you're wearing also has an African touch, if I'm right, from the little that I can see. <laughs> so I was going to ask you what the connection was, but you, when you mentioned Nigeria, I got it. That'll probably yeah. be from, yeah, will probably be from there. Well, I love this. When I was in Nigeria, um, I just loved learning about the culture of that area. Mm. And this would have been the the largest group was the Yoruba tribe, oh, okay. which was, you know, a very large group of people. Yeah. Anyways, mm. and with this mask, I love this mask. So I was talking to the artist and, and it is basically like masks. Big ones and small ones, mm. all playing instruments. Okay. And the idea, he calls it a peace mask. Mm. He said, we got some big tribes. We've got like 400 small tribes. All right. And we all have to learn to get along mm. with each other, even though we're all, all a little different. We have a little bit different story. Yeah. But if we can play music and get along with each other, there's harmony in society. Yeah. And so I just loved the idea of that. Um, and then brought that one home. <laughs> wow. Um, so anyways, that was a mar you know, I just have these marvelous experiences, which have been a blessing yeah. to me. But yeah. um, a few years ago, so 2018, I can't believe that was four years ago mm. now, I was the CEO of a rural community health center. Oh, just by the way, mm. so my kids are grown. I guess that should be obvious. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in their thirties, and they, okay. you know, live in other cities, yeah. and um, and we miss them most of the mm. time terribly. But I've been married for thirty-seven oh, years. Great. Congratulations! Uh, two weeks, a week and a half from now, I'll have been married for thirty-seven wow. years to, wow. to the same woman who yeah. I love dearly, Linda. Wow. Um, and. So anyways, so I was working as a, as a CEO of this rural health center. Um, we served a large 
migrants and the seasonal pot, uh, seasonal farm workers. Mm. We had lots of cherries and various kinds of crops and things out in that area. And, excuse me, um, well, we were, we were very successful, I would say. As an organization, you know, as a nonprofit organization, mm. over the four years roughly that I'd been there, we had um, gone from being financially really struggling to financially very sustainable, um, right. you know, really good place. Mm. Um, we had doubled in size. Mm. Um, we had expanded the types of services that we offered, adding, for example, behavioral health services that we had never done before. Um, and we had done a lot of different things, which I was proud of, yeah. not the least of which mm. was we had eliminated any disparities in health outcomes between our majority population and minority population, um, our largest minority population mm. at least. And I was very proud of that because that was not easy to do. Yeah. Um, but anyways, it was a wonderful place. I enjoyed the people I worked with and um, we had done really well. We had good quality of care. People wanted to come see us. We've gotten so busy that I moved out of my office into a closet and then I moved out of my closet to put three dentists in the closet because we were just out of space. Yeah. I mean, there was no room. Wow. And uh, so we were in a position finally where we could consider, you know, building mm. a new health center like that would be twice as big. Yeah. And that would be built in a way that better supported this model of integrated whole person care that we had developed. So the idea that you, Sheila, mm -hmm. and I, mm -hmm. and everybody listening or mm -hmm. watching, mm -hmm. was born whole, integrated, mm. complete, mm. right? Yeah. We weren't yeah. born in bits and parts. No. <laughs> it's all connected. Yeah. Right? And yeah. when we're feeling a little anxious mm -hmm. or a little down, mm -hmm. right, in our brain, mm -hmm. it affects our body. Body, yeah. yeah. And when we're feeling like we've got COVID or something, mm -hmm. you know, and we're feeling... Mm -hmm. Yeah. down and sick you yeah. know it affects our mind exactly. and our kind of mental status exactly. right it's exactly. all connected yeah 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 something i learned you know working with dentists is that if i have oral health yeah. if i have like gum disease it affects the body it actually can negatively impacts my diabetes or my heart mm. disease or anything mm. else that mm. i've got going mm. on because mm. we're all connected, connected right we're all integrated yeah and so we had built this model of primary care around you and me and everyone else as a whole person, okay. which was very successful and effective in helping people manage their, their health. Mm. Um, but I knew we were missing something because we had these great people, we had a great clinical model, we had a new building which was gonna support this clinical model much better. Um, we had all these things going for us but this first epiphany I had was that unless we can help the individual patient to fulfill their role as the captain of the care team, to be more successful, in other words, in all the hours that they're outside of the clinic, unless we can help them be more successful with that, we will fail to make the substantial difference that we think making. that we could make and yeah. that we desire to make. Does that make sense? It does. So if I'm getting it right, that was what led you to write your book, is it? Well, it, it absolutely is because I started down asking these questions and yeah. researching, you know, well, what does it mean? And 
I started studying change models. We had some therapists at the at the organization, and they told me, Dave, there's these different theories of change, mm. and um, and it, we're human beings, so nothing is simple. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like yeah. here's the one way that people change, and that's the only thing that we got to know, right? Yeah, well, yeah. unfortunately, there are a number of different theories around how people change. Mm. But I was a finance guy for a lot of years, and so I built a spreadsheet. And I listed out, you know, kind of the steps or the phases of each of these change models. Yeah. And this was the second epiphany. Mm. That if we want to be the captain of change in our own life, the very core of what makes us capable of doing that is personal motivation. So there's two things that are key generically. The one is I got to know how to do something, right? How do I do a podcast? Mm-hmm. How do I, um, you know, set the table if I work at a yeah. restaurant? How mm-hmm. do I fix a car? How yeah. do I, you know, whatever it is I want to do? Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of that stuff. Well, you know, we go out on the internet. There's a lot of people that talk about how do you get a job? Yeah. How do you yeah. do better? How do you yeah. get a raise? How do you, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's very little about why you know why do i want this yeah. why am i yeah. moving in this yeah. direction yeah um and so really what personal motivation gets at is why do i want to do anything why do i get up in the morning you know why do i show up at work every yeah. day well why am i nice to people mm-hmm. instead of cranky yeah. Or why am I cranky instead of nice? Yeah, right? yeah, this yeah. this question of why is what that gets at, and that turns out is at least as important, if not more important, than how. Yeah. And so I started diving into this idea of personal or intrinsic motivation to say, you know, I've I've been in business for thirty years. Motivation to me, and I have several books on my bookshelf, mm-hmm. you know, that people have written people much smarter than me, Mm -hmm. and said, you know, this is what motivation is about, to get your employees to do what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Because that's what businesses are interested in, right? They want you to do what, you know, you're there to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not bad. But unfortunately, it doesn't get it to the level, the personal level, that helps me as an individual human being understand myself and to be more successful as a human being. It might help my business be more successful, mm. but it doesn't help me personally. And that's what I was really interested because I knew that to help people to become the captain of their life and the captain of their own healthcare journey, that this was going to be really important. So I started studying personal motivation and I found out that there's three core areas and about 10 principles that help us uncover our personal motivation. One of the first principles, Mm. or the very first principle, I believe it, and and I think of this more of a natural metaphor. So we think of a fruit tree, whatever your favorite fruit is. It has roots, and it has a trunk, Mm. and it has branches, and leaves, and eventually, right, in the Mm -hmm. summer usually, or fall, that tree bears fruit. Yeah. But it's got to develop and build all of those, that infrastructure, all those foundations of you in order to have that fruit. Yeah. And so we think of, you know, how to do things is like, how do I have more fruit? 
But why do I do things has to do with those foundations, like the foundations of our life. So if we think about people, if we think about the roots of the tree, what is that for people? Well, that is our values, our core personal values that we make explicit. And this is what the research surprised me, was that 80% of us have never made our own core personal values explicit. And that's not a vague sense of, it's important to be honest, I love my family, which are fine, right? This is all good. But to sit down and go through a little bit of effort, it doesn't cost anything, but we can go through a little bit of effort, which is the first chapter of the book, and it just steps you through the process. And it helps you identify your top five core values. These are the values that if push comes to shove, you're going to really stick with it. So if I think I'm honest and I think that's a core value, and I'm driving down the road a little too fast, and I policemen, you yeah. know, lights go off yeah. and they pull me over, yeah. and they say, "You were speeding." If I say, "No, I was not," but I know I was, yeah. maybe honesty is a <laughs> an aspirational yeah. value. <laughs> Maybe it's not the core value I thought it was, right? Yeah. Because our core values we hold to under any circumstance. They are independent of our circumstances. So the process is, it takes a couple of hours is all, and it helps you kind of make those things clear. And then the process of making it explicit entails three steps. Um, the first step is that you define it. You know, so if I have honesty as a core value, I have to describe it, you know, what does honesty mean to me? Mm-hmm. Now, that's not what honesty means to Sheila, mm-hmm. or to my mom, mm-hmm. or to my neighbor, yeah. or my companion, or spouse, or mm-hmm. whatever, right? It is for me, what does that mean? This isn't a big, long, full-page essay, like you have to be afraid of from school. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a sentence or two, very simple. What does this mean to me? The second step is what does that look like in my behavior? So like if I am living this value, what does it look like? Mm. And again, just a sentence or two. And then the third thing, the final thing, is that I describe, again, very briefly, so what? Why am I better off for living that value that I have just defined? Why am I better off as a result? And what this process does is it helps take our values from a background and it brings it to the front. It brings it to the forefront. And this surprised the heck out of me. (laughs) But people have researched this. And the benefits that we enjoy by doing this include having a stronger sense of my purpose and of the meaning in my life. And we could all use more of that, couldn't we? We can, yeah. Absolutely. It also helps me to be more clear in my thinking. So I avoid fuzzy thinking. Mm. I avoid languishing Mm. and apathy, that sense of like, I don't know why I Mm. would even bother, Mm. right? Mm. So we avoid those things and we have greater focus greater intentionality, and greater well-being. 
that sense that my life is moving in the direction I'd like it to. And it's really for these reasons, it's the core foundation of being the captain of my own life, is to understand and make explicit my own values. Wow. So that makes sense so far? It does. So in brief, when you're doing anything, you should think of why. It should be more of why am I doing it? Even though the how to do it is important, but it looks like the why should come first, then you find out how to do it, if I'm right. And it looks That's like, perfect. it looks it looks like lately, from the stories I hear um, around the world, I want to cite an example to make it much clearer to anybody who is listening. These days, um, the young folks, if I, I hear these stories more in our African communities, and I believe it's everywhere though, but young, the young folks try to live beyond their means, if I can say, some of them, most of them. So they see somebody who's aged right, worked well to obtain the kind of things they have and they want to have the same thing. And you should, first of all, you, they don't even know why they want it. It's just because they see somebody having it, they want it, and then they go for it. So it's a misplaced value, value, if I should say. They don't even know why, but they want it, and they look for all the dubious means to get it, as in when they are going now going for how to obtain it. They look for the wrong means to get it. So in the first place, when you need something, when you think you want something, you should first find why you think you need it. Because when you dissect it all, you may in the end realize that you may not need it. If I have it, it doesn't mean you should have it. Right. Well, it's interesting. It's, this isn't a great example as we've lived a little more life. Mm. And we said, I want this thing or yeah. I want that thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. anything, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. that we want. What we find is that we've attached yeah. greater meaning to that thing than is really there. Yeah. So if I wanted a certain watch or mm -hmm. a certain, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. pair of glasses yeah. or yeah. certain what a piece of art yeah. or yeah. a car mm -hmm. or whatever it is, yeah. right? As soon as I get it, mm -hmm. I'm really thrilled. I'm excited. It's like Christmas morning, right? Yeah. I open the box and, mm. wow, this is great. Yeah. I'm yeah. really fulfilled. And then the next day, you're back asking, well, no, I want something else yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. But it's... As soon as we attach those kinds of feelings to things, we are in trouble, right? And wow. so this process that I allow, outline in the book, starting with values, mm -hmm. helps us align our lives with the things that are truly valuable and important to us. And it's less, less about what I'm going to do. And doing is important. I don't want to you know, put that down at all. But it, what it does is it builds this foundation or this core on which we can build solidly of who am I, yeah. why do I want to do these things, and how does it help me as much in who I am becoming as it is in the stuff I'm getting. Is that why the book is targeted at a particular audience? Because as you're talking now, things are beginning to come together. And I think yesterday I saw a TikTok video and the lady was trying to justify why rich people don't wear labels. But average people, or low-income people, or should I say poor people, I don't know which, wear labels because they don't have it, but they feel that when they put on labels, which are very expensive 
garment and stuff. They feel that they become part of it. But the rich is already rich. He doesn't need to prove himself to anybody because he knows he's rich. So he'll just go for, uh, you know, very casual, no name at all. And that is why the rich is always rich. Because they will not spend their money on unnecessary things, if I should say in quote. But people who don't have it, even though they don't have it, will go for loans, will do whatever it is to obtain those expensive things just to prove that if they can wear it then it means they are rich which obviously might not in most cases might not be the case so right. is that why the book is targeted at a particular audience because they've not got the reason why they do things they've not got it yet yeah well and most of us don't i mean that's what the research tells us right yeah. is that we don't and here's the difference. I mean, and this is a difference between being rich and, yeah. and not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, those yeah. of us who have to work every day yeah. versus yeah. those yeah. who don't, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is that if I have a lot of money, mm -hmm. and let's say I make some bad choices. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I make some bad yeah. choices. Yeah. I usually have like a manager. Yeah. I have an attorney, yeah, yeah. I have a business mm -hmm. partner, mm -hmm. I have resources that help me dig out of this problem that I've gotten myself into. Yeah. But if you're an everyday average person mm. who's got to show up to work yeah. in order to, you know, just barely pay yeah. the bills, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if you develop some bad habits, the consequences are much more severe. Yeah. Right? They're yeah. much more severe because we don't have the resources to hire all this help exactly. or to carry or carry us through to a better day, yeah. right? Yeah. Because we don't have those things, we are more accountable for what we do. Yeah. And we suffer the consequences yeah. of those kinds of decisions. And so I wrote the book because and it's not fair. I mean, you know, but I mean we yeah. have to recognize that life isn't fair. And yeah, so yeah. what the book is trying to do is arm you, if you will, as a normal everyday person with some principles, because that's your solid thing. You know, those principles don't change over yeah. time. Yeah. So they're solid. You can hang on to those with confidence and some skills. So ways to apply those principles in your normal everyday life that will help you avoid regret help you lead your own life mm -hmm. not the life you know that you think you see on TikTok yeah, videos yeah, yeah. or youtube yeah. or what's on yeah, the yeah, telly yeah, or, media. you know the television mm -hmm. or whatever right these are facades and they look attractive yeah but they're not real life yeah. right yeah your life is real yeah and so this is going to help you say, what is important to me? What are the skill sets that I need to both accomplish the things I want to do and become who I want to become over the course of my life that will, in the long run and in the short run, frankly, bring me more joy, yeah. more success, which yeah. we have to be careful about. Yeah. Not success like you see in the advertisements. Mm -hmm. You know, where you're on an eternal vacation on your mm -hmm. yacht, mm -hmm. you, you know, that may be success, but for most of us, that is not. That is somebody else's vision of success, yeah. right? Yeah. So what does success mean to me, right? Mm -hmm. So we make it personal again, because yeah. then you're grounded. 
And no matter how much external success you have, right, it helps you to remain grounded because we want to be that balanced person mm. who maybe does really well, yeah. but remains grounded and saying, no, I'm just another human being. Yeah. I've been fortunate. I've yeah. worked hard. Yeah. And I've got these results from that. Yeah. This is great. Yeah. But I'm not going to get big in my head and think yeah. I'm, you know, all that fancy because you know what? Yeah. There's all kinds of reasons and circumstances that led to that success that are beyond myself. And I recognize that. And then when we're down, you know, the other side is we might be, we just never quite get the kind of material success that we like or that we need even. <laughs> and we just struggle. Yeah. And we're not sure, you know, how we're going to dig ourselves out of this hole that we're in. These foundations surface just as well there. And what they do, if nothing else, is they help us to avoid a catastrophic failure in our lives. So anyways, and so whether things are going well or things are not going well, the principles and the skills are equally beneficial and equally useful. So think of our tree example. Mm. If I'm a fruit tree mm -hmm. and I've got weak Mm -hmm. roots and trunk mm. right so i've yeah. not developed these i've not aligned my life with the principles and developed the skills mm -hmm. right yeah so i'm a i got little roots and i got skinny trunk and it's yeah. kind of brittle right yeah so then when the storms of life come what's going to happen more likely to happen to that tree right it's yeah. going to blow over yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's going to break yeah big chunks of it are going to fall yeah. off right yeah things like that will happen the branches yeah. don't have the strength yeah. to hold up the snow or whatever in the winter yeah right and so it has a catastrophic failure yeah now the tree in a good year let's say it's a really good year everything's perfect you know yeah. the sun's right the yeah. water's right yeah. but that weak tree is it going to produce as much as is if it had a strong roots and trunk and branches it won't produce as it won't, much, right? Because yeah, it's weak. It is. It doesn't have those foundations to carry the weight of all that fruit. Exactly. And so, no matter what, good seasons or bad, having the strong foundations serves us well. That's true. That's true. And the example you made over there, I think it really, really makes sense. It totally makes sense. Just because you mentioned it, can I ask you, what does success mean to you in your view? What is success? So there was an, uh, a radio personality mm -hmm. from many years ago mm -hmm. <laughs> named Earl Nightingale. Okay. Uh, and I really thought he was a pretty wise person. And so I borrowed this from him. Good. I'll paraphrase this. This is really close, but maybe not exact. Okay. But he said, basically, success is the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. Hmm. You notice that he didn't say it's getting here hmm. or it's achieving that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Success yeah. is progress, progress. Hmm. along a continuum. Hmm. It's kind of like health. And people don't think about this very often. But if if I'm way off on my left-hand side here, mm -hmm. for me this is my left, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that's sick, mm -hmm. and I go to the middle of my face, mm -hmm. and I say, that's healthy. Mm -hmm. That's normally how we think of things, right? Yeah. You're sick yeah. or you're healthy. healthy yeah. But what I want to suggest is that we need to move this hand way off to the right-hand side mm -hmm. and say, 
this in the middle is simply a lack of illness. And healthy, in fact, is a continuum from there all the way out as far as I could take it. Okay. So so I could lack disease in my body, Mm -hmm. but I can't walk more than two blocks. Right? I'm healthy, quote unquote. Hmm. But I could be even more healthy. So there's a continuum, right, along which I could progress. What inspires you in life? What inspires me? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, There's probably a few things regularly. I think my children, you know, um, my oldest, I think she'll... she'll, uh, watch this and correct me but I think she's 35 now and um, um, I see them do things that I know will make their life better you know discipline she's developed Mm. kindness to others um, her desire to be of service and share her talents Um, and both of my girls they're both much more talented than I am Mm. and uh um, and it brings me, it's inspiring to me to see that the next generation is learning and growing and sometimes they make some mistakes, you know, and they've yeah. got to live with those and they have some serious challenges sometimes yeah. in yeah. their lives. They've yeah. had some serious challenges and, and to see them kind of, you know, we have two kinds of challenges. There's things that we persevere through, mm-hmm. which, you know, could take a long time, maybe. Yeah. And then there's things that we resile through that are shorter term, but sometimes even more disruptive, right? And so they're developing the skills to succeed in life despite those kinds of challenges, both the longer term and the the short ones. Uh, So that inspires me. You know, it says the next generation, and um, both of my girls, um, I think my oldest will likely never have children. Not that they didn't want children, but that, you know, she has a medical condition which doesn't allow it to happen. Um, We thought our younger daughter might be the same. So she's 32 or 33. I think she'll be 33 in November. Mm -hmm. Um, But she's pregnant now, which is a joyful thing. Um, And it'll be our first grandchild. But that's inspiring to me. Um, They're married to men who love them dearly. And they love their their husbands dearly. Um, I'm inspired by nature. Yeah. Um, I, I was in. We have a little backyard, mm. and we had some quail. It's a kind mm. of bird, yeah. and yeah. they yeah. were had babies, oh. and the babies were literally like one inch tall. Yeah. And so, mom and dad, they were waddling along, you know, mm. like a bird does, mm. and they had this row of little babies there felt like they were hidden because they were under the bushes over there. But they had like six or eight little tiny babies, one inch tall, all scurrying along trying to follow. And then the mom and dad jumped up on like a a little cinder block, maybe four inches high, Mm -hmm. and the little babies couldn't do it. Because they're only one inch tall and they don't fly yet, they can't jump that high, right? And they had to work out a way, but it was inspiring to watch, you know, yeah. like in nature, nature, and they're trying to make a living, if yeah, you will, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they run into difficulties, and then they overcome them. And I see those kinds of things, and and uh, and it brings joy to me to know that yeah. 
I, I may be able to be a part of this. And, you know, we have our seasons. And yeah. uh, I love the four seasons and the each these transitions of life that um, allow us new opportunities to experience something yeah. that's a little different. Yeah. You know, as you were talking yesterday, I did a, a two days ago, I did a recording with one lady. And my God, um, I love her so much. I'm meeting her for the first time and the connection and everything was so good. And as we were talking, I think we had just mentioned something that is quite similar in line with what you just said. As in, we all, everybody has an assignment on earth and we go through our daily challenges is supposed to shape us and prepare us for our assignments. So somebody's challenge may be bigger than the other person simply because the assignment is quite bigger and they need to go through a bigger and a tougher challenge to prepare them for the bigger assignment. So as you were talking about talking, I got that it came back to my mind as, you know, a reminder of what we were talking about previously. So that was what I got. I thought I should chip it in. But another question I want to ask that wasn't part of the questions that I prepared today was because you had mentioned that you've been married for 37 years. Well, is it 37? And I feel that is so inspiring. Yeah, and, and on September the, let me see, the third or the sixth? September the sixth. Wow. Wow. And I think that 37 is, being married that long is very, very inspiring. So inspiring, so encouraging. Because lately, people can't marry that long. And people don't even want to try. So I wanted to find out what kept it going for you. If there's anything you could share with us, you know, and we can keep it in our pockets as we go along too. Yeah. Yeah. So in, in our faith, yeah, we believe that men and women can be married forever. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so that marriage can endure, you know, beyond death. Yeah. And so we have the sense that our relationship is not just for mortal time, but yeah. it's forever. Yeah, yeah. And so, as we have challenges, and we've definitely had our challenges, yeah. we, we take a step back. It allows us to take a step back and say, on what principles is our marriage built? Yeah. You know, why are we married? Yeah. You know? Yeah. What is our commitment to each other? Yeah. Is it just until it's inconvenient? Yeah. Or until I get old and bald yeah. or fat yeah. or, yeah. you know, I yeah. lose my job yeah. or yeah. what, right? Yeah. yeah. And it, it, it helps bring us back to the principles upon which our marriage is built, yeah. which is that we're eternal beings hmm. and we'll be together forever. Yeah. So we'd better learn how to work together and align our efforts, you know, so that we're moving together and not apart from each other. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of little things you do, but I mean, yeah. that's really the foundation of it is that, um, that there are temptations and challenges in life, Yeah. but our commitment is forever. Yeah. And, and if you don't believe in God, I think you could have a similar result and say, yeah. we're committed to being together as they say in a lot of marriage vows, right? Yeah. Through yeah. happiness, through sadness, and through, through sickness and health, yeah. Yeah. through poverty yeah. and prosperity, right? Yeah. And it's interesting because these are all circumstances. All of these circumstances are common to the human condition, whether yeah. we're in Ghana or from Ghana yeah. or in, in Nottingham yeah. or Spokane, yeah, Washington, exactly. or you know, wherever we're at. Yeah. 
these conditions, these circumstances are common. Yeah. Right? There yeah. is inequity. There is, you know, there's challenges. But as we align our lives with enduring principles in our relationships, in our personal growth and joy, um, we will have greater success. Yeah. As we attach and hold on to those things. Yeah. And so we think about life and say, I think about a marriage. What is our commitment to each other? Mm. Right? Mm. What is our expectation of each other? Yeah. And then how do we nurture each other? We think about like a garden, right? I like these natural yeah. metaphors, yeah. like yeah. cherry trees yeah. and gardens and stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. You don't like go to the garden and say, do this. Yeah. And if I say do this enough times, it's going to happen. Yeah. No, right? If I want my tomatoes to grow, I've got to make sure there's water on them. Yeah. I nurture it. Yeah. I make sure there's fertilizer yeah. when it needs yeah. it, right? Yeah. I make sure yeah. it gets enough sunlight. Yeah. I'm nurturing yeah. the result that I want. Wow. So if I want a relationship with my spouse that is mutually supportive and respectful, that recognizes that we're in this for the long haul, right? Then how we talk to each other, how mm. we treat each other, how we might resist temptations. You know, when you yeah. were younger, when I was younger, you're still yeah. pretty young, so yeah. <laughs> when I was younger, you know, and maybe somebody thinks you're attractive. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's a temptation there. You go, yeah. wait a minute, no. I'm in a committed relationship, yeah. and this is what is important to me. Again, right, get back to my values. Yeah. And this is how I look at my relationship. So that's really not consistent with who I am, who I am becoming with my spouse. And I know that it's going to bring regret and sadness to yeah. my life and to yeah. everybody else, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And so we can. When we have these foundations built, we can avoid those kinds of things. And oh my gosh, regret is useful sometimes, but I don't think it's anything that you would ever seek. Yeah. <laughs> like, I want more yeah. regret in my yeah. life. No, right? no, no, we no. just don't want yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, this is a very long answer to a simple question. Yeah. I think you just remember why you got married and what your marriage is all about. And, and those commitments that you make, and then nurturing one another. And if we can do that, I think we can have a very long, successful, happy marriage. And it doesn't end, right? It's all things in life that are meaningful. They don't end. There's wow. joy in the process. Like we were talking about mm. earlier, yeah. about walking two blocks, and then yeah. four, and yeah. then eight, yeah. right? And yeah. maybe you yeah. walk a mile. Yeah. yeah. It's the joy of the process, right? It's this pro progress. It's not necessarily walking a mile. That's one milestone or one step. Yeah. But that's not where the joy is. The joy is in the capability that I've developed to do something that serves me and that allows me to be doing other things that I enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And so it's that joy in the journey that people talk about. And it's, I think it's absolutely true. My God, this brings us back to your book as in why you do something. And I think for this reason, everybody will need your book then. When you're trying to navigate through life, you get to a point where you feel you're stuck and then you need to reflect and, you know, and ask yourself, why am I 
doing this or why did I start this in? and it applies to everything else so I think that is one of the factors why everybody needs to get this book because it kind of help us get back on track anytime we think we've missed the road and we are making bad decisions we, we sit down reflect ask ourselves why you know to um, do we need that and I like it just because we started from somewhere brought marriage in which was not part of it but we've been able to you know intertwine or bring them together to the same thing we have been discussing since we started uh, the podcast and I really like it just before we wrap up what would your final message be to our listeners I think my message would be that you and your life no matter how common it is are important yeah. you are important your life is important your life matters it makes a difference and as you align your life with enduring principles, you will enjoy greater success. Now, that does not mean richer, famous. You know, you just kind of write those words off. Yeah. It could happen. Mm -hmm. But pursuing those is usually a fool's errand. Mm -hmm. Consider what is most important to you in mm -hmm. your life. Mm -hmm. Pursue becoming the person that will naturally and normally accomplish those kinds of things yeah. and then set about it. Put in the effort day to day and your life will matter. And it is important. And you can enjoy happiness and success as a human being in a very, very common and normal everyday life. In fact, that's what most of us get to do. Yeah. How wonderful that is. Yeah. Oh, lately, I've, I've made it a point to be happy and then to enjoy peace. Those are the two things I'm looking for. So anything that doesn't make me happy or give me peace, I'm running away from it. You know, like I'm right. seriously running away from it. Because as I think as you, you grow, your values change. You get to set proper values, align them properly with age. It comes with age. I don't know if it's with everybody, but then it comes with saying things you used to value years back you don't value those things again and for me i've narrowed it down to peace and happiness those two basically they go. come on top of my list if anything around me or in my life is not giving me what those two should give me i'm running away from it and i like it that we've been able to narrow the whole thing down to this bit here where you just wrapped up us and i'd like to say a massive thank you for finally coming making it up on podcast with sheila today Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Wow. If you've been listening in, this is season two, episode 61 of our podcast series, where we've been bringing seasoned guests with inspiring real life stories to share with us. Do not miss out on all these lovely experiences. Subscribe and be notified when a new episode is released. Whilst at it, please drop us a rating. We have a video presentation of this episode on our YouTube channel. Just search for podcast with Sheila on YouTube and you'll find us. Our prayer for you this week is to be able to discover your true identity and purpose in life. Until we meet again, have a brilliant week. Mm -hmm.